Welcome to episode 17 of Laser. Today we start off with what has been described as the first realistic computer simulation of a universe, then a potential mechanism and proposed solution for metal whisker formation that has plagued electronics in hard-to-reach places like satellites, and finally liquid metal used as nerve grafts to rehabilitate frogs and hopefully eventually humans. Wow, we haven't even started the episode yet. <laughs> All right. Sorry, it was just a really dead start. Look, since we're doing it on a podcast, it's a huge step down. <laughs> we're doing it for science. Because we're, we're not even doing the jokes, which would at least give people a fleeting moment of contact laughter. Like, no, so I'm saying we've become the BuzzFeed of podcasts. Yes, let's do that. It's getting late. Sure. Universe. I'm Greg, and I'm a material science and engineer working on OLEDs. Yeah. Well, anyway. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Less Agree Science and Engineering or Rad. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about science and engineering and how it's rad. We report. You decide if we're lame. Are we the Fox News of podcasts, science podcasts now? That's even worse than being the BuzzFeed of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's try to go back up to BuzzFeed and then extrapolate from there. All right. How can we upgrade? Well, we can upgrade probably by introducing ourselves. Um, I'm Cameron Copas. I'm a graduate student at Arizona State studying quantum computing. And uh, my co-hosts today are Chase. Hi. He, yeah, Chase is a... Uh, Materials engineer. Materials engineer who works with aerospace and metallurgy stuff. And uh, on the right is Greg. Hi. Greg is also an uh, ASU graduate student. He's working with organic LEDs. I make pretty lights. Yeah. Greg makes pretty lights. You make pretty lights, but they kill people. <laughs> you do. <laughs> God bless America. <laughs> anyway. So we don't really have a coherent theme for today. I mean, we had like you know two parts of a theme, you know, or like there's two parts that go together, but not all, nothing that connects all three. You know, two of them are super sci-fi. Two of them have to do with metals. Yeah. But there's just one thing. Just one of them just doesn't belong. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. So yeah. Which is everything. But so why why Greg? Have you ever seen Sesame Street? No, I was going with the the the, the topic. Because simulating, or am I, am I spoiling everything now? Yes. Shit. Greg has already spilled the beans, and um, <laughs> so what we're doing today is we're talking about, I believe, in order, we are going to talk about a the first simulated functional model of a universe that has ever been created, or at least the best one so far. The, thus, well, is it the best, or is it is it the first, or is it the best? I mean, there's been a lot of universe simulations. Take yeah. a, isn't what just any physics equation? A small simulation of the universe, of a small part of us. Save it for the debate, tough guy. I, um, yeah, we'll get that in a bit. But um, so we're going to talk about that, and then when that, up next, we're going to then we'll be talking about a very dry mathematical paper that you can pretty much tune out because it's about a obscure um, 
problem uh, that exists with uh, certain metals in especially in uh, electronics packaging and vacuum. Good sales uh, job, buddy. It's called uh, it's 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 uh, it's, all, it's on uh, metal whiskers and uh, someone claims to have found a predictive model for metal whisker behavior. This is big for us material scientists. It is. It's big. actually really important. It's it ex- it's extraordinarily big. important, although I personally have my doubts as to whether or not this is, you know, anything other than just a guy beefing up a paper. To make it sound more important than it is, as you should all know, grad yeah. students are wont to do. It is at least a big issue, which is why we suspect him of trying to beef it up in the first place. Well, true. And it's also very important to talk about. Um, the aerospace industry in particular is very concerned. Um, and finally, the third and, topic I uh, will be covering on how uh, Terminator-like liquid metal is actually being used to actually aid nerve regeneration. Currently in frogs. Hopefully we'll upgrade to humans, and then eventually in the long run, cyborgs. I don't know if we've mentioned on this program before, but I feel like I have. The second that I can do a direct internet upload to my brain, it's happening. Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. Oh, I, I would. Yeah. Cyborg, just boom. Yeah. And suddenly antivirus software will be something I can take a lot more seriously. <laughs> Am I the only one who's like got advanced, pla- advanced plans to be old-fashioned and have just like the Google Glass... 5.0 or whatever when everybody's got the brain link. Yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna kind of upload myself to the internet as soon as I can. I don't know. For a while, I was thinking I'd do it into a gorilla body. I just like Optimus Prime's thing. When you, you listeners, I listeners, I hope you uh, to describe the scene. Greg just rolled with it, but I gave Cameron this look like just <laughs> no. All right, I don't understand. F M F W. That's they do that on Buzzfeed, right? What reaction gifts? I don't know. Oh, F M F W. Oh, my face went. My face went. Yeah. Oh. Wow. For someone who wants to upload and live on the internet, upload yeah, his consciousness to, to the internet. part of the internet. It's the whole internet. You, you, you won't be able to keep it away. How, how, you, you go to Reddit? How have you avoided MFW? I don't go to that part of Reddit. I, it's I, it's Cameron, Reddit. I just hang out in Cameron, Reddit podcasts and Reddit science. But Cameron, you'll be vulnerable to digital STIs. Did, what the hell would it With did? other uploaded consciousnesses. It's, STDs, well, it's no longer STD, it's STI. What would what what would a digital STD be a or STS? I guess, but you wouldn't. Get, but it wouldn't be sexually transmitted. They do it in Second Life all the time. You guys, I don't. I don't think you have, but I know you've seen Overdrawn at the Memory Bank. I've seen Overdrawn at the Memory I still Bank. Want to see it. And she says, you know, electrons don't dance, Fingal. Electrons don't make love. Are you kidding? We're having a crazy electron sex party right now. Eee. Oh God! I have to see this. <laughs> It's a mystery science three, theater episode. It's, oh, so they were saying it. Yeah, it's, right. you like no the, the, the line electrons don't the dance, guys. electrons don't make love is from the movie, and, then and the, the crazy electron yeah. sex party is from the is from the uh, comic. It was Tom, Tom, Tom. It was it was yeah. it was Tom Servo. Of course, it's always Tom Servo. Tom Servo makes the best jokes. That was Tom Servo. It was a Mike episode too, so therefore better. Yeah, yeah. yeah Mike was better than Joel. Yeah, you heard it here. Wait, I forget which one was first. Joel. There we go. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, so moving along to our first topic, you know, space. Well, if we're talking about a situation where electrons might make love. That's true. Does this simulate... Can we simulate this? I have a question about whether or not it's uh, this can simulate li- simulating life or if it's just sort of an astronomical scale kind well, of thing. Well, I will tell you about that as soon as I introduce the story. Sounds good. <laughs> so... The story is a, uh, a group called Illustrious Project has uh, released a universe simulation that 
they claim is the first realistic virtual universe. So it's basically a, a universe in a in a box, in a computer box. I don't know why they keep calling it a box, but because universe in a box, I feel like it was a Twilight Zone episode. Oh, okay. Well, mm. I, I missed that one. I didn't. I don't know. If, I I don't know, but I'm assuming it was because there was also a Futurama episode that had a universe in a box, a parallel universe contained in a box. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's called the Farnsworth Parabox. Farnsworth Parabox. Oh, I think I remember that one. Yeah, it was the one where like everything was slightly different. Everybody had different color, you know, different colorations. Yeah. Zoidberg Zoidberg was blue. Everything. The only thing that was different between the two universes was that coin. The flip. Every time you had a coin flip, it came out differently. Right. Mm-hmm. And there were shit tons of those boxes. All of a sudden. Yes, there were tons of those boxes because the professor had a machine that made boxes full of parallel universes. God damn. That was All an right. awesome universe. It made or, no, yes, but uh, anyway. if, if, at any rate, anyway. it was very much like this. A so, universe in a box. Yeah. So this uh, this group, the Illustrious Project, has published their re- results of their most recent simulation in uh, Nature in May 8th, in the May 8th issue. Uh, and so a lot of people are pretty excited about it. Uh, basically, it's an astronomical simulation that is able to simulate the universe using so many particles that they consider it simulating both the large and small scales simultaneously. Oh, right, I did see this somewhere Okay, else. but with the large and small scale, you mean on... Well... You mean of, like, of a, of a particular star, or of, like, or of individual stars and whole galaxies, or just large and small particles, they, or, I mean, I'm... Yeah, so they're able to to simulate entire galaxies and individual stars. Okay. Because they have this increased resolution. Um, basically, the, the limiting factor for a universe simulator is going to be how powerful your computer is. Mm-hmm. So they actually have a kind of neat plot on the website that shows Moore's Law versus time. Mm-hmm. And it matches up basically perfectly with how many particles you can simulate in, a, in these universe simulations. Because that makes sense. As your processor gets more powerful, you can have more right. numbers processed. Yeah. Um, so were, were they just simulating like one star at a time, or were they trying to do like inter intrastar phenomena? So they were able to simulate starting from what they believe was 12 million years after the Big Bang to the present day. Um, they calculated 41,000 galaxies in their simulation, just starting off from what they believe this, this original Okay, so this must be doing like... state was. Uh, so it is a box that they're simulating it in, but it's a big part of the universe. So they were able to watch galaxies being formed and solar systems being formed and things like that. So they must be treating the stars as like... Uh, just simple code representations, like at, not as internally simulated objects. I don't understand. Well, like say for example, with the real-time strategy game like RTS, you don't uh, put much work into simulating like where a shot falls, uh, where a where a unit takes a wound. It's just we have this much HP, and when this swordsman runs out of his forty-one HP, he dies, without actually simulating any of the details of that unit. Similar with stars in the simulation, what I'm trying to get, what I'm guessing they did with this simulation, was they weren't trying to simulate for each individual star how it behaved. They were just trying to keep track of its reaction to other things. Yeah, yeah, and, it's, and otherwise, it's on its own 
uh, self-defined track. I think that's the way they, they did it. Um, and I actually misspoke earlier. I, I looked back at the page, and it mm-hmm. says the small scale was uh, the chemistry of individual galaxies. So probably oh, mass distributions. Yeah, so they, were, they calculated multiple galaxies interacting with each other, and mm-hmm. they think that at the end of their simulation, they have a realistic mixture of spiral galaxies and Football, football got shaped galaxies. So realistic, I think they mean similar to what we observe by looking out into space with a telescope. Oh yeah, yeah, that was uh, from what I saw from the other article I, I read about this. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. They didn't. Uh, the simulation did not result in a Milky Way. It did not result in a freaking centaur galaxy. What was it? They're not simulating our universe. They're simulating a universe. That behaves in the exact same way so that the end result is you look up at their or like, that it, digital it sky. Fo- it follows the same physical laws and they're trying to mirror... And forms the same kinds of galaxies. Yes, yeah. And, yeah. Mi- and mirrors... And it mirrors... Um, a similar statistical a s- distribution. of Yes. Yeah. Um, and it also... in. I, as I understand, it, the point of this is to try to uh, sort of use, try to figure out how how certain types of galaxies evolve without directly observing them. Yeah, and I, I yeah. think yeah, there's there's that, but I think there's also a part they talk a lot about uh, dark matter and light matter interactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe they're so this does include dark matter. Uh, yes. Now again, not dark energy. Dark matter is just matter that's not. Light, just it's just matter that you can't see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah. So I think they they want to learn a little bit about that and about how different masses would be distributed over time. So like how a galaxy gets its particular composition of of elements and all that. Okay. I, I think that's part of it also. Uh, now they're again they're not simulating individual atoms. They're still only simulating large galaxies as one pixel. Stars and nebulas and all that. Yeah. So so electrons won't make love. Not yet. We'll get there. We'll We'll get there. Maybe, yeah. Uh, There's probably a mod for it in second mod. So so what you're you're telling me is that this is um, our first step to creating the actual, like to creating that actual stoner fantasy of like, what if each one of our atoms contained its own universe, man? Or what if the whole? What if we are living in a computer simulation of a civilization advanced enough to simulate a universe? There was a which there have been papers about that. I believe there? we've shared them before. Yeah, not on this uh, podcast. We haven't talked about it on the podcast. No, yeah. but there was definitely a uh, yeah. What is it? It's like the, the, the why we can't understand. There was like a like a thing that's like why we can't under, comprehend like dimensions past the fourth dimension. There was a, a little lot, bit of what, that because it's like you know we're in a, we're in a we're, we're uh, in a simulation that cannot be sim- that cannot simulate that has been that has had that variable taken out to demystify it a little bit. Maybe I think I read I read something about yeah, that. Yeah, there's a lot of weird theories. Mm-hmm. But no, this isn't. This definitely isn't the first simulation. Their 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 plot. They have simulations going all the way back to 1994, and that's just the ones that they cited in this in this. This is the first one that has resulted in galaxy shapes that are uh, believable. Well. To scientists, I don't, I don't even know what what they mean by this is the first realistic virtual simulation. Uh, maybe it's just that this is the first one that gets the correct mixture of, of galaxy types and compositions. Probably, uh, because that's mostly what the the papers and the website copy talks about. 
Well, it's saying on the small scale, it also accurately recreated the chemistries of individual galaxies. Yeah. So, so that's what I meant by compositions. And, right, right. And. Okay. So I think that's kind of neat. Um, so the big implication for this is that we can now... Um, the, I believe one of the people in the paper that was quoted was saying that big implication for this is that you cannot that we can now study how galaxies evolve because you can't really study like in real time what a galaxy is like early you know presently or early, or, or even earlier in its history because we because of the you know speed of light we are limited to if a thing is a billion light years away we can see how that galaxy that galaxy as it was a billion years from now not how it is now right so we're a billion years behind on some galaxies we're in a few billion you know billions of years behind on others and so what we're looking at here is we can see uh more a more complete uh sort of evolutionary picture of how a galaxy evolves yeah into over time yeah. and how it may look today yeah. and yes. the galaxy that we record in that yes uh, might, might give us some information about the future too i mean it's kind of a time yeah. machine that yeah. you call it Yes, they were saying it's like a time machine. And at the same time, it's just, you know, ultimately, we know what's going to happen. Our son is going to die, and we so will we all. <laughs> but, yeah, but we haven't simulated a whole universe doing that. True. What's interesting is, I know they did find out a while ago that uh, gravity waves themselves, or gravity force is itself transmitted at the speed of light, which means that if you want to simulate any given point in the universe, the biggest, uh, how do we say, for any given distance away, so for any, for any given star, like if you sit there, you see a galaxy that's 5 billion light years away, that means you're seeing it as it was 5 billion years ago, that also means the gravitational force that you're experiencing due to that galaxy is from from as it was also 5 billion years ago. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if it disappeared, you wouldn't feel it immediately. Yeah, if it broke up, you wouldn't feel the effects until you saw that it was broken up. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, what you're telling me is that there will be no warning. Um, it also won't hit you before you get the warning, at least. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll be, like, right then. And you'll I mean, like, I'm, well, not, I'm not, I mean, it's like, it's not that, like, if there was some, if there was some sort oh. of astronaut, you know, some sort of astronomical event that could, you know, the gravitational device could tear us apart. There's not anything we could do to stop it. <laughs> yeah. The, usually so, the warning you get is, hey, we're on a collision course with another galaxy. Shit. Well, we are. We're, we, we are. We have enough time. Yes, to die. <laughs> the sun will be burnt out by the time it happens, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I think it's a billion years or something. This, yeah, we're, this, we're, uh, this, we're doing just fine, then. This makes me so think so much of the... If anyone has listened to uh, the Louis C.K. Any of Louis C.K.'s stand-up comedy? Some of the... I uh, have not, but... Uh, I remember he, him talking about anything similar to this. There was a really... He was, he was, he was like, you know, when you're, you're, you're... As a parent, you're never prepared for when you have to say hard truth, like weird truths, and you're never really ready for the kind of questions you have to answer... And, you know, my daughter asked me, Daddy, will the sun be here forever? And he said, well, no, eventually it's going to burn out. And she started, you know, and we'll die. And she said, uh, and she started crying. He said, well, no, don't worry about that, sweetheart. Well, it will happen long after you and everyone you know has been dead for a long, long time. <laughs> so my, helpful. so my six-year-old daughter learned that the sun, that she's, go- she and everyone she knows is going to die. The sun is eventually going to the die. The sun will explode and the universe will end. And then she learned that in the span of 30 seconds. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So, you know, 
Iridoscope kids for life, folks. That's why I don't think I ever wanted... I briefly considered going into astronomy and that kind of stuff, but then I realized that I would have to face my own mortality and insignificance every single day. All right. And Pretty was, sure they're all alcoholics anyway. Well, you know, some of them. Whatever, man. Aerospace, that's how it is, too. Yeah. Yeah. But, I do remember hearing it's awesome getting a physicist slash astronomer to explain black holes while they're drunk. There's always Drunk Physics. It's a YouTube channel. Uh, yeah. We keep getting we'll scooped. Get we get, keep getting scooped on great ideas. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it happens. Anyway. Alright. So, I mean, yeah, so this is kind of neat that they're doing this. I mean, the implications are pretty much, I think, I'm, not, I'm sure that there are more um, practical applications of this in terms of, like, you know, space travel and, you know, how we're eventually going to colonize other planets and stuff. Well, eventually, if, if you can simulate a whole universe, you might be able to, I don't know, do a lot of crazy things. I can imagine yeah. if, if your simulation were accurate enough, you could mm. almost predict the future, rel- even even something that would be useful to you, which basically is... Like asteroid what, collisions or... Asteroid collisions and star I don't know. collisions. I mean, are you, I'm, are you saying, like, the, you're saying at a, once we get down to a more detailed resolution that we might be able to predict things that are a yeah. little more useful yeah. to, to us, because I don't think I don't think this is saying it's modeling planets and planetoids. It's still just modeling stars. Still modeling stars. Yeah, but, so I mean, it might definitely be interesting once, like, you know, this is like a good proof of concept, it will be definitely be very interesting once we can model planets and planetoids, because that will definitely provide us with a lot of information about, <clears throat> you know, planetary distribution, how many planets are within habitable zones, mm-hmm. um, and that... Yeah, yeah it'd be really we'll, good to figure out stuff like that. Which will, which will tell us, like, the, the probability, especially in a spiral galaxy, like, the you know, which will teach, which will show us a lot for, you know, sort of... Um, Instead of wasting our time about uh, wasting our time looking in uh, solar systems where there there isn't a possibility of planets that can support life or anything like that, we'll start to uh, just start. We'll start to be able to pare down where we're looking yeah. for for new planet, new uh, M. I, God, I just almost say M class planet. We can talk about Star Trek on the show. Yeah, uh, this is already a podcast. I don't think anybody's going to uh, object to accuse you of being a nerd. Uh, he just except did. us, except yeah. Greg. Yeah, uh, just all of us. He's just getting back at me. I called him a nerd before the show started. Yep. Um, oh shit! Sorry, I thought that was also being recorded. <laughs> um, yeah. So. But that would be very, very interesting and useful for space exploration. It might also teach us something about maybe how to terraform. In some I don't way. know. It might. Yeah. When you think about it on a small scale, physics is always predicting the future. You say, if I throw this ball up, this is the energy it's going to come down with, right? Yeah. You, you look at what's already happened, and then you figure out what's going to happen in the future. So if you have a big enough computer, I don't see why you could predict everything. Which I could think of. Niels Bohr Adamus. I'm not. I can't think of a Nostradamus pun that works for the physicist's name. We're, we're talking like techno <clears throat> prophecies here, or just uh, galactic meteorology. Uh, Actual meteorology would be handy. Maybe if you can predict small enough particles, you can actually predict human behavior. That that's going to that, require that some hell of computing oh, power. But oh, son! Like, suddenly. Get these computers down to a small enough size we can put them in the brains of some people and put them in wa- and put them in water and hook wires of their heads and they'll send balls out that'll tell us what a crime is going to be committed. Yeah, I just yeah. described Minority Report. I saw that. We science we just scienced the crap out of Minority Report right we- here on this podcast. Funny for a moment, I thought you were going for the Matrix. 
No, no. Yeah, no. Minority Report. I, I know. What, the Matrix doesn't predict. The Matrix doesn't predict the future. The Matrix just is a reality that we can we imprison people's minds in. We already Wait. have that. That's a called, called video games. Just called yep. the, the, Xbox. It's called, it's called Reddit. And yeah. Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's its own little fantasy environment. Yeah. Exactly. You know, where, <laughs> where you're not a nerd or a loser or a neckbeard. Oh, wait, no, that's the first Matrix that they talk about. The perfect the one? Man, we just science the crap out of the internet. Well, we're on a roll today, guys. <laughs> well, I think we, I think we, if we, if we find a way to re- reverence in, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and Ron Paul and we hit our a sort of pantheon right there. Yeah. We talked we, about Reddit. We already Ron got Reddit. Paul. We haven't done Ron Paul yet. Oh, okay. So we talked about, we talked about Carl Sagan and we talked about Reddit. So, I mean, you know, we, um, anyway, so yeah, I mean, Transition is so from the some making something very tiny, very very large, very small. We go from making something that's very small but has a large impact. Uh, Close enough. Yeah. Anyway, well, up next we're talking about tin whiskers or not tin whiskers, just metal whiskers in general. And so, then we and then Karen plays music. Do 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 do. Whiskers. Greg has strong feelings about tin whiskers. I do, because they suck. Greg, you don't even you don't even work with places where places where whiskers are an issue. He works in optoelectronics. From from me, they're not actually that much of an issue. Exactly, they're it's organics, dude. Fair enough. I've just been around the issue for long enough to know that they suck. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. Metallurgist, why don't you explain what whiskers are? Okay. Well. Under certain conditions, uh, with metals, uh, commonly the ones that you see these, this problem with, uh, is zinc, tin, mm-hmm. uh, cadmium, lead, and cadmium. You have seen, lead, lead is very rare. You don't see that document. Not in pure lead, but in... But I'm saying, but I'm saying... Oh, okay. But with pure metals, mostly what you see, the way you see whiskers are zinc, uh, are tin, zinc, mm-hmm. cadmium. So the problem is that we get you know, under certain conditions that haven't really been clearly defined, and that's what the point of this paper is, is to f- make, form a predictive model for the conditions under which whiskers form. But under these conditions, you'll form these fine, crystalline, uh, just spikes that'll form off of pure, off of these pure metals that, um, just grow out to be, what is it? It's like, it can be up to 20 mil, up 20 millimeters, I think? It's just yeah, from atomic diffusion? Really yeah, they can get very long, up to 20 millimeters. So, that's sort of a big issue when you have electronics, micro, especially microelectronics, where if you, if even if it only grew about a millimeter, that's still going to be able to bridge and form a conductive gap between conducting between conducting elements, which can cause shorts, uh, catastrophic mm-hmm. fail, you know, blowouts, that just anything, you know, we actually lost, I believe, not we, but the Earth, the, the Earth has lost three satellites catastrophically too that has been credited to tin whisker form. Tin whisker formation from the solder from solder. Yeah, which apparently it's worse in zero g environments. Or um, they have found that it has been exacerbated in zero g environments. But the main reason that it is a problem in zero g environments is because it's not something you can just go f- swap out the part. Right. It's a satellite yeah. in orbit. Yeah. So it's it's taken down a nuclear power plant and at least three satellites that yeah. we know of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So what it is, yeah, like Chase said, it's just you you have your your lead-free solder, because like he said, it also, it doesn't take place in lead solders. Yes, so obviously there's a compositional element, Yeah. too, so it's it's not, you, you see this in pure zinc, pure cadmium, pure tin. Or even even mixtures of those, though, too. Uh, up to like any lead-free solder is, is... Below a certain percent. Um, you There are plenty of lead-free solders that do not form tin whiskers, because they also contain no tin. Or if they contain... Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... The, the best the, solders in the, general. Are the best solders in terms of quality of the solder in, you know, like, you want to... Like, lead solders are the best because they have a low melting point, which is good if you have sensitive electronics, you don't want to apply heat. They have a, they have good mechanical strength. They have good wettability. They have... Um, they, 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 don't, they don't stay melted very long. You know, and they also do not form whiskers, so they're pretty great. The only problem is lead has been classed by the uh, ROHS, so that's the Reduction of Hazardous Substances Initiative, mm-hmm. to, to be a uh, like one of like the class, like the seven restricted class uh, substances. So yeah, it's getting a lot harder to use. Lead it's, is very lead it's, is it's completely illegal in Europe. Lead yeah. lead is toxic in or in vast quantities. However, it's in the se- it's it's a, it's particularly galling because it's like yes lead is a to- is toxic and it is something that we need to regulate its usage but in terms of electron but in terms of electronic usage like with consumer electronics not a huge not really a huge issue but with high performance military technology you know electronics we don't really yet have a reliable like a, a really solid reliable lead free solder yeah so it's but, so that's yeah. why America has not yet signed on to ROHS in terms of its military. So, but that kind of creates like a kind of an irritation, irritant for um, microelectronics manufacturers because they have to use different solders for sale in Europe and for America. If they're going to, yeah. you know, if they're going to sell to the U for anybody who contracts with the U.S. military, lead free, lead, lead free solders are completely banned. Pure tin is completely banned. Um, anything up with a less than a three percent, any all tin with less than three percent lead content is banned. So the point is, this is a big issue in aerospace and also for you know just environmental reasons you want we would like to be able to get rid of lead in our lead and one of the ways that we could do that without you know or one of the ways that we could do that and still use tin like pure tin as a solder would be to be able to predict and then therefore take actions like to uh stop the formation of whiskers which is where this paper comes in it is trying to uh predict the condition it, it models and predicts the conditions under which um, tin, tin, uh, whiskers form. Yeah. Okay, so I just mm-hmm. want to be clear: we're not saying that lead is good. We're saying it's it it's just handy. happens to be the best. Lead solders happen to be the best solders, and they are very toxic. We're not saying they should still be used. We're just saying we need to find a good alternative. Yeah. Okay, it's, you're it's, saying you're saying that I'm saying that until you find a so, until you find a solder that that doesn't sacrifice performance, a lead solder is is a necessary evil. Maybe maybe in certain applications, but I think I all, if you're going to use it, you have to have a good disposal for your electronics. You can't give How about launching it into space? Okay. Well, <laughs> if if your iPhone had lead in it, well, everyone's going to throw it in the trash. No, and that's and no, and that's com- and that's completely true. I'm that's saying but but you also don't see Lead used in consumer electronics as much. This Correct. is like the like the lead solders are almost exclu- like almost exclusively for military applications, and there are regulations that govern the disposal of military electronics. Okay, 
for security reasons as well as environmental. Yeah, reasons. I don't think they give them. Yeah. I don't. I don't think they give a crap about the environmental concerns about that. They really kind of everybody in the almost everybody in the uh, in the materials industry in that works for the defense industry just despises ROHS. They think it's a huge pain in their butt that really kind of hampers their ability to do their job. I still. Th- I think. I still think <laughs> yeah. it's important. It's, I'm not. It is. It's I'm just going to be really hard to convince I'm not them dis- to get I'm not, dispu- okay. I'm right. not disputing this. I'm saying that it's like you're making the. They. It's one of those things where it's like, yes, you're making. We know that it's important, but you're making us use inferior materials. Okay. While at the same time expecting us to re- retain the same quality standards. Sure. So that's just a little. I think that's a little galling. But I'm, yeah. but so I'm not. So obviously we're not endorsing like let's just dump lead into our water supply and it's totally fine. We're, but at the same time it's like, mm-hmm. this is not like you know the minimum amount of lead percentage you need to prevent tin whiskers is three percent. So you can use ninety ten tin lead solder. It's not the best tin lead solder, but it's still like it's better than tin. Well, it's ten percent lead too. So it's like. You know how much you'd have to like you know you know you could probably you could throw out an entire pallet of these bad boys and it still would barely affect the groundwater you know would still it would probably it'd be it'd be, it'd be All right <laughs> let's let's not just let's not give anybody an excuse to contaminate groundwater it doesn't matter yeah but still but I, I, but I understand what you're saying I'm saying you know it probably you, you could probably you just soak all those things in well I mean you the, can be you can use lead properly yes if you are using it properly it's not going to kill you. Yes. It's the same with any other toxic thing that we work with in the like, labs. Oh, like beryllium. Like, yeah. I have pyrophorics in my lab. Sure. Yay! I have to play with hydrofluoric acid from time to time. Who doesn't have to play with play hydrofluoric acid? <laughs> I hope it. not. You just dump your... Hey, you know what? If you yeah. just if you dumped a fleshy appendage in there, it would not uh, would it be as bad? Because, quite frankly, it can't melt through any bones. Well, let, let's fast forward a couple uh, decades or so until we have like our own private limb regeneration baths. And you accidentally spill some hydrofluoric acid in there. Oh, God, not my spare ears! Well, basically, you saw Harry Potter. Yeah, Skelligro. <laughs> I forgot yeah. about that. Wow, we can get another, can we get another, like, we, we got Star Trek, so we got Futurama, Star Trek, uh, just for Harry it. Potter now. Alright. I think you, you think you referenced RTSs. I totally did. did Without naming any specific ones. I, I was definitely we all know you're talking about Age of Empires. Duh. I did say Swordsman. Age of Empires. Alright, so let's Say what this what this guy uh, thinks his uh, he has discovered about these whiskers. Are you also opening his paper? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pulling his paper up right now. Yeah, all right, so first of all, we want to start off with this. This guy is a uh, VG Karpov, and he is in the Department of Physics and Astronomy at the University of Toledo, which is in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, published mm. this paper with only himself as the author. So I'm assuming he's a professor or something. I didn't actually do any more research on him. And it's in the journal Physical Review Applied. Ah, yes, here we go. Now, uh, the thing about uh, metal whiskers is that people have proposed lots of mechanisms for, over the years, as to why they form, uh, citing sort of, pre- uh, citing sort of just internal, pre- internal stresses, uh, environment, uh, composition, uh, just, Basically, nobody knows for sure. Yes, there, but the, and there, are, there are for every one of these theories, there are some conditions that support that theory, where where they where we have witnessed growth of whiskers, and some conditions that do not support each theory. So um, there was a lot of math <laughs> this guy did uh, related to 
uh, grain bound, related to grain boundaries and, uh, f- you know, fuel electrics and all that kind of good stuff. Let's just skip ahead to the conclusion. Yeah, now. we're doing that. <laughs> so, the above, so his theory is that, uh, wh- metal, wh- metal whiskers, uh, result as a form of metal nucleation and growth in random electric fields. So he says it's, it's, it's electric, it's electric fields that cause it to grow, which would explain why it's so prevalent in microelectronics. And you already have an electric, electric field. field. You have a yeah. you have a you have a much higher applied electric field, and that would be true. And he said that the underlying approaches are typical of the physics of phase transitions in disordered systems. Uh, simple analytics are more or less consistent with the observations. I did you not say that a little bit slower. If you're actually reading oh, that. are you just muttering, or are you actually reading? That? Oh, I am. Sorry. Well, um, he posted to archive. Okay. He said the underlying approaches are typical of the physics of phase transitions and disordered systems. The work presents the first whisker theory yielding simple analytical results more or less consistent with the observations. So, he's definitely puffing. I mean, I'm not saying that he did, like, that he didn't. Um, he definitely did. He did his due diligence. He did. And I'm definitely saying that he, uh, but I'm not seeing in here. It, it, you sent me this paper a couple weeks ago, and it's been a while since I've read it. Um, Okay, so he's working on tin and zinc whiskers, I believe. So he says he can predict he under the conditions that under the conditions that he was applying, he could predict um, when I believe when and to what extent. Not exactly. I think he just yeah to the extent, but not when he said he just said that they are mostly concentrated around defects on the surface, Mm -hmm. so either a missing atom or a scratch or an atom that's in the wrong place, or a grain boundary or something, and that the electric field will build up at that spot and cause a whisker to grow out of it. Yeah, he's, so, I mean, he's basically combining, he's combining a couple of existing theories. Uh, The the surface defect theory was definitely one of the first ones advanced, Um, and and it does, there is a lot of credence because it does seem to have a high correlation that it does grow from surface defects and the electrical me- and then the electrical field mechanism would explain why it's so prevalent in microelectronics but i sort of am kind of hesitant to say that he has created he has like created a unifying theory or even like you know anything more than just like yep i you know he predicted that it would form in these conditions he and, didn't do any experiments on his own though yeah to just, confirm it he's just yeah this is just this is just modeling. Just modeling. Uh, he did so, give one conjecture of about uh, electrolytic electrolyte treatment mm-hmm. of surfaces. Oh, that's right. So he he offered a possible solution. He said electrolytic treatment of those surfaces and yeah. Granted. Well, wait. What was the possible solution, Greg? So you put um, basically fluids that contain polar molecules and or ions or whatever of opposite charges that can freely move around in said solution, but only exist on on like a thin film on the contact that you're trying to protect. And because those whiskers form from a bit of buildup of like negative positive charges uh, here and there, then theoretically the conductivity of the electrolytic solution can neutralize those charges okay. and prevent the whiskers from forming. The industry already has, uh, we have seen the industry, uh, I cannot remember, they do electroplated, they'll do electroplated, um, uh, They'll electroplate pure tin okay. onto the ends of uh, you know microelectronics, uh-huh. and they have found that electroplated tin is actually far less likely to form okay. 
those um, the whiskers, those or... whiskers and things. So it's like, so he's, so yes, I, I think this might kind of be a. I feel like there's like sometimes like a complete disconnect between academia and industry in terms of where either one is at in terms of their <laughs> understanding of a particular issue. Well, industry is willing to say. I don't know how it works. I don't know how it works, but this is fine. But while science works. is not science. You have to have a reason. Why does this work? Yes. So I'm saying they found. So he's. So he might just be. So basically, I think what he's doing is he's explaining a mechanism that already uh, is known to okay. work. But well, that makes sense. So I mean that. So basically, I, I don't see anything inconsistent in what he is saying. With you know, with what we already know about Timothy's, I, I just doubt that it's a unifying sort of. Yeah. Okay. Sort of, is sort of uh, theory, but it is interesting, and it would be. I hope that, that that something comes of it in in the sense that I hope that we learn a little bit more about how whiskers work from it, and we can start predicting more accurately. Yeah. Hopefully, we have less uh, single crystal pieces of metal shooting out randomly from our uh, our electrical contacts, and uh, hopefully, we don't lose any more satellites or nuclear power plants to it. Be really great. Yeah, we didn't lose any more satellites. Satellites are expensive as hell. Satellites yeah. are very expensive. Although, Although we know, could we could replace them with blimps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just replace them with high altitude airships that we talked about in episode fifteen. I believe. Yeah, it was either fifteen. Was it was it fifteen or fourteen? I think it was fifteen. Episode fifteen. Yeah. No, when we're talking about what oh, airships. Okay. Airships. I don't think you were there for that. No, I wanted to be. I shake my fist at you. There were too many people already because we had two guests. That was when we had the guests from um, the other podcast. Yeah, that's from the technical. Were they talking about airships too? Yeah, Yeah. they were. They joined us because they are aerospace engineers. Ah. So it was a very neat. It was a very neat discussion. Also, you should listen to that episode if you haven't. If you care about airships, they're really cool. Yeah, airships Uh, are really cool. But anyway, so this concludes, I believe, the dry technical portion of our podcast, and we're going to move on to Terminator Metal. Sure. Yeah, sounds good. From we'll uh, hop from, into from, the next section. Huh. Cyborgs. I was going to say, from metal that flows when it's not supposed to, we move to metal that flows when it is supposed to. Ooh, that's Boom. Good. I like that. Possibly more than it's supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, that goes. You ruined it, Greg. You ruined it. Just, just edit that out. Or is it too late? It's always too late, Greg. Yep. <laughs> Liquid metal. Wow. I don't know why that sounds yeah, awesome. I, I don't know why you hit It's just easy to say. That's your, new metal, that's your new metal band name. Greg, is Liquid Metal is your new metal oh, band name? That's how you. That's your. That, that's the name of your. That's the name of your. Uh, <laughs> your metal cover of Aqua Boogie. We can do that. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll figure that out. I have to figure out a way to play an instrument first. I've forgotten how. <laughs> just play the kazoo. Sure. Go for I've it. made a good vocalist in the past. Metal, wow. metal kazoo. I would never make a good metal vocalist. Metal kazoo. I can only do so much screaming. Kazoo for metal bands. I believe it. Anyway. Yes. Liquid metal frogs. Frogs. That would make a good Frogs. Frogs. Dang it, Greg. Okay. Frogs. All right. Frogs. So this next... Uh, frogs. Bees. Frogs. Freeze. Frog bees. Not again. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 
So this briefcase full of bees should miss all of that. So let's explain for a second. Uh, this whole story about this terminated style liquid metal. Um, it didn't really have to involve frogs. They just needed a non-human test subject with <laughs> long legs or easy to operate on. Greg, now you're making it sound like evil scientists. Okay, settle down. Are all scientists evil? Settle down there, Mengele. Oh, you guys. Oh, burn. That's a Nazi slam. <laughs> I don't want my podcast to be Godwin's Law, guys. Too late. It's the it's Godwin's Law right podcast. There. We already... That's, that's, <laughs> that's still a step up from being the BuzzFeed podcast. <laughs> hey, we, we at least built up from BuzzFeed. That's right. We, we, we started at Fox News, and then we went to BuzzFeed, and now here we are. We're the Godwin's Law. <laughs> started at the podcast. bottom, and now we're here. Anyway. At least that's the way we remember it. Liquid metal. Yes, liquid metal. One of the big problems when a nerve gets severed, uh, especially in a limb, because they're usually not as well protected as the spinal, uh, as the spinal cord or the nerve system in the brain. Anyway, peripheral nerves, uh, especially skeletal muscular nerves, those are, can be severed really easily and they're really hard to regenerate. It's possible to get to regenerate, but they only grow at about a uh, couple inches a month, I believe. That seems like a lot. Inches. One millimeter per day, sorry. So one so inch every 25.4 days. Wow. Hey, uh, an inch a month actually was pretty close. Anyway, so the problem is during that time, if the muscles that are supposed to be connected to that nerve aren't getting any nerve impulses, then they atrophy and they waste away until the point where they're almost wait, beyond the point of repair. Wait. Uh, muscle can atrophy pretty fast when it doesn't think it's needed. Sir, in to really mangle the phrases, I'm probably causing doctors around the world to have conniptions just by saying this. Uh, but when so muscle many isn't getting. Physicians listen to this podcast, right? Just, I don't think any physicians maybe? listen to the podcast. I Although, if know. you are a physician, write us maybe? an email. Let us know that you're a. Physician Tell us how offended you are that we assume that you're, you know, too highfalutin for our podcast. And please, let us interview you sometime. Why? Sure. Uh, because for variety and diversity? If we interview a physician, we can no longer be Laser, the podcast about people talking about subjects they have no expertise in. Well, we sometimes have expertise in it. I just talked about tin whiskers, man. Come on. Whatever. Close enough. Ding, <laughs> man. Anyway, uh, also, Chris, also when Chris Travis was on the show the other week, he talked about his own paper. His You're the right. paper he actually published. You're right. Yeah, we, we bring people on for this. Okay, we we bring up experts Most sometimes. Of the time, it's people talking about things they have absolutely no experience or expertise in. But it's okay because we're not trying to sway public opinion in the wrong direction. So yes, what's this are. story about anyway, uh, Greg? All right. So <laughs> the idea is, it's really hard to get those nerves to regenerate because. They only grow, grow back so fast, and during that time, the muscles that they're connected to tend to waste away and be completely irreversibly wasted away by the time the nerves uh, finally reestablish contact. So, but, uh, but this one scientist, or was it a team, uh, had the idea that if you can somehow get the electrical impulse of a nerve, uh, since all these nerves actually do basically operate by generating and transmitting electrical pulses uh, from nerve cell to nerve cell. If you can get a way, if you can find a way for that same uh, electrical pulse to make it from, sorry, uh, to make it from one nerve to the other nerve that it was severed from, then you can keep that gap bridged 
and you can keep uh, stimulating the muscle that's supposed to be connected to until the nerve has had time to regenerate. So the concept is you just need some sort of conductive material connecting your the connect or connecting or I suppose enveloping the damaged nerve tissue. Exactly. Yeah. So so you couldn't just take a regular copper wire and connect your two nerves together because the body would attack the wire. Mm-hmm. And depending on the metal, then yeah. the copper it would also inhibit the nerve from growing back it's where solid. it's supposed to in the first place because mm-hmm. it's solid. Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking for something where the nerve can grow through it. Yes. To a certain extent. Yeah, you're looking for something the nerve can grow through, something that's biocompatible, and something that's going to conduct these electrical impulses that would normally travel through a nerve. Mm-hmm. Um, so they decided to use this uh, gallium indium tin liquid metal. And the way they do it is they, mm-hmm. they connect the, the broken nerves with a, a tube and fill the tube with liquid metal, and the electrical impulses can go through it. Mm-hmm. And then when you're done with the nerves growing back together, you can actually remove the uh, the liquid metal with a syringe. Is the tube yep. is the tube the tube like something that just biodegrades? Uh, it, oh, the actual, I would uh, assume so. The metal part, you mean? No, the tube part that they that they encase the metal in. Um, I don't know. I, you would assume so. If they all if you if you remove the liquid metal with a syringe, you would Probably. assume that the the tube is just something that's going to dissolve over like a period of months. Or some kind of just biocompatible polymer. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they're drug coated um, to give it a certain amount of time to be biocompatible, and then once those drugs run out, like with drug coated stents. Um, but the whole point of this was that they that they talk about is that they don't want to use like all that kind of like sur- they don't want to have to go through those invasive and risky surgeries to like remove the mounts that they have for like that they currently have for nerve yeah. treatment. So basically, the concept here is I would assume it's something that either you can leave in the body indefinitely, or it's something that you just don't care, or something that's, that you uh, that will dissolve on its own. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is you have like uh, the drug coated stuff; it doesn't always the the part that allows it to not be rejected by the body and not be broken up only lasts a while. Oh, so you I take th- the liquid metal out, oh, okay. and then both from the inside of that packet, um, because no, the biomaterials I- get in on the inside, and just from the drugs wearing away, then whatever materials you might leave in there will get broken up. No, I, I understand what you said. The way you phrased it before made it sound like that, like you had to, that like it was only rendered it biocompatible for a short period of time, and then it became non-compatible and you had to remove it. I'm yeah. sorry, that's just how I, that's how I heard it. I understand, I understand gotcha. what you're saying. I, I now understand what you're saying. Yeah. <clears throat> We're on the same page now. So, yeah. mm-hmm. they implant this stuff. It works. And, and they take out uh, the stuff that needs to get taken out. Yeah. And the stuff that doesn't need to get taken out gets broken up. So, they say, but they're testing this on frogs just because they're, why? Because they have uh, long nerves that are easy to operate on? I believe so. I believe that, oh, that would make the most sense. So. Could just be because that's what they got the, uh, that's what they have the lab facilities to take care of, though, too. For animal True. tests. I'm, sh- I'm sure. And right. I mean, who hasn't dissected a frog? Yeah. Uh, that's a rhetorical question. <laughs> so They uh, smell really gross when you pick them in formaldehyde. They do. I remember reading through my mouth that entire time. That was really gross. Really gross day of, like, what was it for you, fifth grade? Uh, it was more in high school, actually. Huh. I, did. I never I never had to do that. Oh. We had... No, it wasn't until sec- second year bio that we did fetal pigs, but I never took second year bio. No, we didn't do fetal pigs. We did... F- my fresh frogs. when I was in when I was in middle school we did frog we did frogs earthworms uh, squid. Dang, um, I missed out. I think frog was like the most complex one I got to do. Frog was the most complex one I got to do. Oh, there we go. Well, well I didn't get to do squid either. I just squid, did, like, squids squids are super super easy to just just it's it's an invertebrate so it's just like yeah it's all there. 
Well, but, anyway, they but said squeezing your squeezing the ink sack of people was a lot of fun. Dang, that wasn't fun. So the summary of the article that we're reading says that the uh, this liquid metal can actually conduct the nerve impulses about as well as a healthy nerve, which is much better than what some people have done in the past, which is just using this thing called a ringer solution, which is just a, a conductive salt liquid. So like an electrolyte, so just like electrolyte, like, just put an electrolyte in there and say, yeah. you know, hope, yeah. yeah. It's like a tube of Gatorade. Which you can use to conduct electricity, but you, it's you not, it's so not you're as good. Like metal breast implants. Wow, it's like you're trying to form the most heavy metal album cover of all time. Also, if you guys haven't, if you guys haven't watched the movie Heavy Metal, let me save you an hour and a half of your life. Don't watch the movie Heavy Metal. Okay. It's really bad. I'm sorry. So, well, these guys are reconnecting frog nerves with liquid metal. Um, are they also severing their nerves? Yeah, they, they cut the nerve it's pretty, surgically. Yeah, it's pretty, so, pretty effed up. Right? I do have to say I was a little disappointed that their idea of a good trans or Terminator reference was just because, oh, there's liquid metal. There's that one Terminator guy that was liquid metal, and he was totally physically realistic. We'll call it like a Terminator. Yeah. It's kind of like how that lightsaber that we reported on all those episodes ago that was at an every conceivable way you could think of it, not like a lightsaber. Oh, yeah, like yeah. the light particles acting it's just together. That it's like, it we're going so to yes. call it this. And get people's attention. To get people's attention. Hey, you get people to, to read your paper. Please uh, read my paper. You get people to talk about it on podcasts. Even if they're complaining about it, because any publicity is good publicity. I guess. All publicity is good publicity, except an obituary notice. <laughs> it's Brendan Bean. Okay. Did a little extra extra research on the metal that they used. They used this gallium indium tin, uh, which is a liquid at room temperature. Its melting point is 10 degrees Celsius, and room temperature is 22, 25 degrees Celsius, and 30 in Arizona. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and your, and then I believe it's 30, I think human body temperature is like 32? 37. 37? That yeah. high? Yeah. Wow. 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Okay. So, so that's... We're, it's, we run pretty hot. Yeah. Apparently. I know, I, I guess I'm more like a, I just have a general idea. It's like, you know... Yeah, and the other important thing it's it's has a high conductivity, and the other important thing is that it's uh, insoluble in water, so it won't dissolve in water. Probably right. be very useful because a lot of your body is made of water. Yeah, you wouldn't want that getting into your system because that's a lot of metals that your body wouldn't like. Yeah, probably. Um, fun fact: your body, coward. There is another. I think it's the same metals, but another version of that alloy. Has its melting temperature um, above body temperature, I believe, but uh, below that of hot coffee. So a while that's, back that's there was woods metal, possibly, but a while back anyway, there was uh, Popular Science posted a kind of a prank you could do as a dinner party trick, where you actually cast metal spoons out of this metal, and give it to people to use with their coffee when they show up at a, at a party at your house and they realize, oh my god, the spoons are melting. This well, is so really... The, the problem with that one, though, is that wood's metal, which is one of the popular low-temperature melting, low-melt-temperature alloys, yeah. is uh, bismuth, lead, tin, cadmium. Things you should not yeah, ever put in yeah, your body. All, yeah, that's not, the, that's not the alloy that I but had in mind. also... It was probably... You're just... You're just, you, you're just support, you are also just supporting my, my theory that Eventually, all technology is used to entertain idiots. Oh, yeah. Why not? 
Well, all right, so the one you might you might have been talking about, since I'm on Wikipedia looking at Wood's Metal, it's called mm. Fields Metal, which melts at 62 Celsius, while Wood's Metal melts at 70. Fields Metal has neither lead nor cadmium, so it's much less toxic. I want to say that's what it is. Is it gallium indium tin? No, it's bismuth indium tin. Okay. But, yeah, this yeah. was this was something that was... Gallium. The metal I'm talking about was like literally proposed just as... Hmm. A pop side party prank of things that you could actually do. I don't see a gallium indium tin that's that high. Because gallium itself is 30 Celsius. Gallium indium is 15. Gallium indium tin is 10. Gallium indium tin. Alright, I'll look it up. Zinc is. Yeah, I'm surprised you haven't done that already. Anyway, there are a lot of really cool liquid metals. There are. They melt at low temperatures. Some of them are liquid at room temperature. Gallium is, is. 30, you can melt it by putting your fingers on it, basically. The, the heat from your hands will melt it. Yeah. Which is actually kind of cool. We seem to have exhausted this topic to the most yeah. part. Now we're just talking about thing, you know, put, pranking people by, ha this spoon dissolved right. on you, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> this also seems really complicated when you could also just, like, make a sugar out of, like, sp- make a spoon out of spun sugar or something. Yeah, but somebody would notice that. Would a they? metal spoon is less likely to be noticed. Although when they touched it with their hands, it would probably melt, so... Whatever. Hmm. Anyway. Anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> Fun prank. Poison your friend's <laughs> coffee with toxic liquid metals. <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm, don't do that. Please do not put liquid metals. Laser Material Science Podcast. The podcast that advocates poisoning your friend's coffee. <laughs> Please do not do that. Science has been rad. Yeah, it's it's very, it's very exciting. But so as always, uh, please leave us reviews on iTunes. We love it. And the more reviews we get, the more visible we are, and the more people listen. Yeah, and I think right now we have six five star reviews. What's up? So we're yeah, that's put some interesting. put some one star reviews in there so people don't think that we're uh, making them all up. <laughs> I mean, put a one star review if you really think we're that bad, which we might be. But maybe I mean, also leave us a comment so we know why. True. Please. Very, yes, please. Just we love feedback. You know, emails, uh, t- suggested topics, even if you want to be on the show to talk about something that's near and dear to your heart, so shoot us a line. That's true. So if you you have any topic suggestions, or if you are a scientist or engineer and you think you're doing something interesting, we will probably agree with you, and so will the listeners, so send an email to and we, any um, of us. And there's literally nothing we enjoy more than drinking with strangers. Yeah. So <laughs> more lasers soon. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. lasers. So please just uh, keep us uh, posted and about anything that you guys think is interesting. Keep listening. Thank you so much for listening. And, uh, Our contact email is contact at laserpodcast.com. Uh, let's see. Other ways you can support the show are you can find us on Facebook. You can leave an iTunes review. Um, uh, you can use our Amazon affiliate links. That gives us money for uh, so we can afford to buy better equipment and so we can afford to uh please just if you need to buy please use that if you enjoy the show that's also great we need a few more microphones uh today Mm -hmm. we're playing around with putting us on different channels so i should be on the left chase is in the middle greg should be on the right but we're only we're all crowded around one uh yeti microphone so i don't know how well how good this really sounds compared to some other podcasts where everybody has their own mic mm-hmm. so we would really we would so yeah so really what we're looking to do is buy more mics and uh at least first yeah that's the first thing we like to do we should also probably work on increasing the quality of the podcast but it's more fun to just sit around and talk you know honestly you guys probably get maybe 
<clears throat> like if the podcast is an hour episode, it's literally been three hours that we've all been sitting here just talking <laughs> bullshit. We keep doing retakes. He has to, Cameron cuts out some of the better jokes because they're a little risque or way off topic. I think we'll go on tangents occasionally. So often, yeah, very yeah. often. Today we've been pretty good. We're only at an hour and a half. Yeah, so we've, we've actually kept it pretty toy, toy like a toyger. <laughs> um, wow, that's an awesome. I'm, Wait, like a, yeah, what? you are. Anyway, uh, skull member. Oh, anyway, thank you for listening. Yeah, sure we'll brain. have a link to that. All right, so a link to everything we talked about today in the show notes. Yep. And uh, good night. Good night. Bye. Thanks for listening. This has been Laser, Let's Agree, Science and Engineering, a rad. Show notes with links to everything we talked about are available on the website at laserpodcast.com. You can send us an email to contact at laserpodcast.com, contact us on Twitter at laserpodcast, or find us on Facebook or Google+. If you want to help out the podcast, you can tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, or you can use the Amazon affiliate link on our website before you make any Amazon purchases. Thanks to the band Crying for providing our intro music, and to The Wild for providing our outro music. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Let's Agree, Science and Engineering are Rad. Um, we, read pa- we read papers back to you to spare you all of that tedious reading. Pretty much. Yeah, basically. Yeah. We summarize so you can save your valuable time for more important things. Like listening to podcasts. Like grooming yourself. Okay. You're not even the neckbeard on this podcast. Anyway, I'm so, the but anyway, so we got this. Really, yeah, I guess I do have a neck beard right now. Anyway, mm-hmm. sorry, I hate, yeah. I hate yeah. for you to find out this way. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys look up your likelihood of becoming a professor on? That science thing? It's pretty low right now until I publish. Did my... you, oh, did you see it? I saw it published. I did. It's actually currently open as a tab on my browser right now. Cool. Right. Whoa, I gotta look at this. What's yeah, mine? It's, well, it's based on your publication history. It, it calculates your uh, likelihood of, of professorship. You guys are probably doing a lot much, uh, probably doing much, much better than me because I think I've got like maybe third or fourth author on like, you know, maybe five papers. Yeah. So. I mean, it's still, you're gonna be on the map at least. <laughs> Again with the swearing, Greg. Greg, stop the swearing. I'm going to have to censor all of that. I haven't sworn anything. What do you use for I the censor sw- noise nowadays anyway? I just the standard 1,000 hertz. Oh. I, think I don't should, have a laser sound effect yet. You should use a... We, we can record this now. Or you can use a... 
What's it called? Or you can use Fozzie Bear's Waka Waka. Yeah. You can do the Craig yeah. Ferguson standard. They do a bunch of like, ooh la la. And so, speed it up. Okay, Captain. All, right. all right, Captain Yak back. Captain Yak back. Did you ever have a yak back? Yeah. I remember this. Yeah, yak back. Yak back. It sucked it. so hard. I do remember about Kids, only 90s kids will understand. <laughs> Three You're... things only 90s kids will understand. Bop it, yak yeah. back. But like that, but that's like, those, I think this is a true measure of whether or not you were a 90s kid. Like, there's all those, all those people on the, on the Tumblr that are all like, ooh, only 90s kids will remember this show. I'm like, man, the thing was in syndication for a decade. I think if you were a true 90s kid, you had a yak back when it was still cool to have a yak back. Yeah. Or, a picture or, of a yak back. Or, uh, or a, uh, it's called Google search it. Wikipedia. That's a, that's a shame. Or, uh, or, or like, what is it? Gigapets. Gigapets. Don't they still sell Wait, Tamagotchis? Tamagotchis, no. yeah. That was the first one. Yeah, but I had a Gigapet. Oh. Oh. Didn't they have one that was also, like, Digimon flavored or whatever? Or is that the Probably. 2000s? Yeah. I, I don't remember. I, I just remember Digimon was, like, the store brand Pokemon. It really was. Oh man, I definitely had one of these pink yak backs on my backpack. Mine, I think I had the green one. Yeah, mine, mine was like yeah. that. Mine was that like super, like you know, like let's bring back the '80s color green, yeah, this, the teal, like that one. Mine was oh, teal buttons with the with the fresh prints, pink purple. Yeah, um, I had the color reverse one, but with okay. yellow buttons. Nice. <laughs> I remember that. Here's a picture of a buffalo saying "yakety yak." Don't talk back. I assume it's a yak. Picture of a yak. <laughs> that looks like a bison. It does look like a bison, but... <laughs> Congratulations, this person does not know what a yak is. I feel sorry for them. <laughs> that is not a yak. That is... No, that's not a yak. Definitely not. Definitely. A, that, was, that is definitely a bison. I don't. I, I don't know what you're doing. And nobody remembers the old style home star, right? Were you trying to do the system is down? Oh wait, no, no. I got the tune. I was like, yeah, do, like do, way do. wrong. No, no. I, I'm even doing something else. It was when they were doing like the old timey the home star runner. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I'm just way quieter than you guys. Anyway. Well, you could try aiming your mouth towards the microphone. Yeah, that might help. We also have uh, slightly more resonant voices than Yeah, you, my I voice think. is a lot higher than your guys'. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, I tried arguing and I started fake. <laughs> I'll leave for five minutes. I come back at the five seconds, Greg. Come, come back, Greg's on the floor. <laughs> Passed out. Playing with a cat. Already drunk. Sober girls around with you, they'd be acting like they're drunk. True. SNL was never good. SNL was never very good. Before us. Long before us. No, it was never. Like, I mean, my parents have made me watch those classic (laughs) SNL sketches. I'm like, wow, this is less funny than Flying Circus. And Flying Circus is not funny. Flying Circus is... You shut your whore mouth. It had, like... It had, like... Hilarious. It had... 
maybe over the course of its four seasons, 15 good sketches. No way. Yeah, way. Go back, watch them all. Watch every episode and tell me how many sketches stick in your mind. Dead Parrot. Taxes, Dead Parrot, Spanish Inquisition, all of the Spanish Inquisition ones, the other three. Arguing Clinic. Argument Clinic, Ministry of Funny Walks. Silly Walks. Ministry of Silly Walks. She right. Shop. The mistranslated phrase book. Hungarian Fate. Hungarian yes. phrase book is really good. Uh, the Tobacconist. That's the same one. That's the same one. No, 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 no not that one. Uh, it, it's, it has a tobacconist in it, like somebody who is a tobacconist. Upper class uh, two of the year. Many of the DNNDA, the, the British Dental Association. That's probably the upper class two But here we go. I, I own every single DVD of the show, and I watched them, like, religiously, like, over and over again in high school because, you know, YouTube was only barely a thing. Yeah. And Netflix was not a thing. And honestly, I was kind of like, at the time, we just listed off 15 sketches. I can remember, like, five. I can remember Upper Class Twitter of the Year, barely. Deadliest Joke. <laughs> Deadliest Joke I can is great. I can remember Parrot. I can remember... Hungarian phrase, Hungarian phrase book, but only because we still say that to each other because it is hysterical. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying they didn't. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that they didn't ever strike gold. I'm saying they didn't strike gold often. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, they had the shotgun approach. Just, just like SNL. They, they had a much better shotgun aim than SNL did. So they were, yeah, they were they were going at the target from you know let's say 20, 25 feet as opposed to you know fifty feet. Something like that. Yeah. Yes, I am aware of the range of a shotgun, and that was that, that was reflected in the range <laughs> of people standing in water. Who would you tax? And they're going around asking, "Who would you tax?" Because it's a Gumby. And... It's, it's, <laughs> people standing in water. Looks down, standing in water. Lumberjack song. Lumberjack Homicidal barber. Song. Which actually, those were technically the same sketch. Homicidal. Yeah, because the guy's like, you know, getting ready I, to kill him. I never wanted to be a barber in the first place. I, I wanted to be a lumberjack. A lumberjack. And then I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I think that's just a, a, a good transition. Is that really the same sketch? It is the same sketch. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how, what about how to defend yourself against French, fresh fruit? That one was pretty good. I remember the one about the blancmanges taking over so they could win. Oh, yeah. The... Aliens turning humans into Scotsmen. Yeah. That was one of the best ones. <laughs> so that the, so, so that the sentient black monges could win Wimbledon. Yep. Yep. Do not remember that. It was a really long. It was like a long. It was like half the episode, and it was really just like, wow, that your punchline is you wanted to have someone dressed like a blancmange playing tennis. Yeah, I guess that was was all right. So instead of talking about science, (laughs) apparently we're just going to sit around the table talking about Monty Python. We're not even talking about it. We're just listing Monty Python sketches. So we've become the BuzzFeed of podcasts. Wait, is is listing Monty Python sketches a step up from? Quoting Monty Python randomly oh, in high actually, school. That's actually well. I mean, or is it a step down? Well, we're on a well. If we were doing it at a bar, it would indicate that we were familiar with it, but not but not familiar enough to be huge nerds about it and pretend that that was a joke on its own. And but since we're doing it on a podcast, it's a huge step down. <laughs> we're doing it for science because we're not because we're not even doing the jokes, which would at least give people a fleeting moment of contact laughter. That's true. All right. So yeah, we're we're kind of screwing the whole Monty Python reference thing. Guys. No, so I'm saying we've become the BuzzFeed of podcasts. 